Welcome to the Academy of General Dentistry podcast series featuring Dr. George Schmidt. Each episode features experts in the field of dentistry who share insights and inspiration to help you succeed. Let's get started. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we're really excited about our program today as we welcome international speaker, author, and serial entrepreneur, Ryan Vett, to the program. Hey, Ryan, how are you? Doing well, George. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So uh, let me just kind of just give the audience a little uh, heads up on your bio here, Ryan. Uh, so Ryan Vett was raised in the suburbs of Chicago, and as a young boy, he dabbled with various entrepreneurial ventures ranging from the typical lemonade stand to a line of trading cards in a neighborhood newspaper. At age 14, Vet launched a multinational marketing firm that specialized in working with nonprofit organizations. He scaled that organization to work with over 200 clients in 25 different countries. Since then, Vet has risen to executive leadership roles at multiple companies, as well as holds held an advisory board roles in several companies and nonprofits. At the core, Vet is a passionate entrepreneur. As such, his experience have led him to launch several startups and act as an angel investor in others. Vet shares his experiences with others as an international speaker and an author. His writings can be found in Forbes, Dental Economics, and in many other publications. He's also been featured in the media, including USA Today, Financial Times, ABC, CBS, NBC, and more. And not only that, Ryan has uh, also written several really great books, including The Other Side of the World, which is, which is an expose on his visits to uh, China, a book called Whatever Is, which is a faith-based relationship book, and his most recent book called Cracking the Millennial Code. And Ryan, that's where I want to start. I mean, in this book, you share a lot of really great insight into how to manage and motivate millennials, and you know, you dispel a lot of myths. So tell me a little bit about that book. Thanks, George. It it actually stems from a my first speaking gig ever. So I was invited in 2007 to speak to a group of realtors because I was on the Facebook at the time and and uh, Twitter, which is this new thing. And I guess as of this recording, Twitter doesn't exist anymore. It's X. But at the time, it, everyone was wanting to know why are millennials not buying houses. That was the the million dollar question they were asking. Little did I know that that presentation would launch into what has become a large part of my coaching and speaking, talking about really not millennials anymore, even though that's the hook. It's how do the different generations interact with one another? And what does that mean for today's workplace? What does that mean today for today's family unit? What does that mean uh, for marketers, for managers and everything in between? So that's how it was born um, as a teenager speaking to a group of realtors all the way through uh, a decade and a half or so of, of uh, learning more and, and understanding the research behind it. Yeah, really great advice. Obviously, uh, you know, as we interact all, all, all the different age levels uh, in the workplace, marketing and everything like that. So so give us a couple of little pointers or a little couple of principles out of that book. Yeah, I think one of the most impactful things that actually inspired the writing of the book, I, I'd been giving the course track in the Millennial Code for some time, and I, I've presented it to audiences in dentistry and outside of dentistry, but this was actually a dental audience in California, and I was speaking and it was one of the first times presenting it under the, the title Cracking the Millennial Code and under the format that ultimately was reflected to some extent in the book. And a woman in the front row started crying pretty early on into my presentation. And as a speaker, that's never something that you're wanting to see. And, and so I go through the, the whole presentation and afterwards, she's the first one in line to talk to me. And I, I got 
really nervous. I'm like, what did I say? You know, I, I try to guard my words, but sometimes from the stage, you just get a little excited. And so I, I was racking my brain and really distracted the whole time and presented it as to why this lady was crying. And, and she said, Ryan, for the first time, your presentation showed me uh, why I interact with my daughter the way I do and why I interact with my mom the way I do. And so she had a teenage daughter and her mother was uh, nearing the end of her life. And so this woman, this middle-aged woman was um, conflicted because she had some things revealed to her. And so really to answer your question, the biggest learning lesson is you can't crack the millennial code. So spoiler alert. Um, but really what it is, is understanding what made that generation the way it is, as well as why the other generations are the way they are. And so in my research and doing a lot of stud studies from anthropologists and sociologists and psychologists that have written about it, um, my big aha moment, if you will, which is reflected in the writing is each generation is so unique, but directly influenced the following generation. And so some of the, um, what we would view as weaknesses or myths about the millennials are actually directly influenced by their parents. Um, and I wouldn't say the fault of, but influenced by, right? And so I think that has just uh, been really eye-opening uh, to me as it was to that lady in, in that front row in that California presentation. Yeah, that's great stuff. And uh, it's always great when you're speaking and you have that kind of moment where someone's been inspired or comes up to you with a great story like that. So, so that's fantastic. Um, you know, Ryan, one of the things I didn't mention in your bio when I read that uh, is you're actually a trained sommelier. That is true. Tell me that a little bit true. about that. Where did that passion come from? That's uh, also a long story. Um, I've always been in the beverage industry, I like to say, ever since my lemonade stand. Um, and really, my first professional job, um, I was still in high school, and I, I had taken extra high school credit. So long story short, I was out of out of school by about 8.30 or 9 every single morning. I only had to go for one class my, my uh, senior year. And so I worked a, a desk job at a printing company. And everyone came in with their Starbucks cups. And I really, really wanted to be like everybody else. So I got the biggest drink I could. And it had the most sugar and most milk you could fit into a, a cup. And thankfully, my metabolism was uh, behaved better at that point in time. But anyway, long story short, what I fell in love with was not necessarily the Starbucks coffee, but the environment that those individuals had created. And so uh, I can still tell you the name, you know, fast forward 10 or 15 years later, I can still tell you the name of almost all those baristas. And I wanted to create that same experience for others. So I got into coffee, ended up roasting my own coffee um, just for myself. Uh, I don't think I could have sold it if I tried, um, <laughs> but got into that and then ended up getting into uh, craft beer after I turned 21, mainly because some people I knew were involved in the craft beer industry. Um, and my first software startup actually was uh, in the craft beer space, which was later acquired and learned that beer didn't sit that well with me, uh, to, to put it kindly. And so I was like, you know, I got, I learned coffee, I learned beer, what's next? And wine was something that I had never really tried. I remember I was sitting in the Sky Club, uh, one of my first times traveling for, for work. And I went up and I said, can I have red wine? They're like, which kind? And I was like, Merlot, you know, like, what, what is that one? <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, all of a sudden I started learning about it and I realized there's a lot of parallels with dentistry too, but it's the perfect intersection of art and science, right? You've got uh, so many influence from politics to religion, to science, to art, to chemistry, to biology, all of it that impacts um, wine. It's just so exciting and so fun. So I uh, ended up learning a lot, then got down the rabbit hole as many do that start the wine journey and started studying and then took some tests and opened a couple of wine bars. So um, that's a, yeah, a whole, whole side of, uh, other side of my, my world. 
Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's something I've always wanted to do. Uh, and you've got a couple of uh, you've got a couple of wine bars now. I think in Durham, right? In Durham, North I Carolina. Do. Is that where you are? Yep, I have yeah. three in Durham, North Carolina. Wow, that's fantastic. That's good stuff. You know, while well, wine is near and dear to my heart, um, I'm a big wine drinker. So, um, but uh, but so is education, and and so that's a good segue kind of into uh, what I want to talk to you about next because I know you do a lot of speaking, and you're a fantastic speaker. You're a great MC. I've Thank seen you. you in action a few times really good stuff. But one of the things you talk about, or one of the titles of one of your presentations is dentistry uncorked, uh, which is kind of segue from your, uh, your wine yeah. days there. But uh, it's really what you talk about in that book is learn how to better message treatment plans to patients to increase necessary case acceptance. And of course, as dentists, that's something that we really need. But what do you mean when you say, you know, better message treatment plans? Yeah. So one of the things, um, specifically pulling the learning from that course that you, you brought up dentistry uncorked is, uh, so many people come in to a wine bar and say, I don't like Chardonnay, right? Don't give me anything that's Chardonnay because it's buttery and oaky and all that reality is people don't know that that's not what Chardonnay is. That's what California Chardonnay is, but you got, uh, Chablis, which is, you know, in Burgundy from France, that's not that buttery. It's almost a lot of times it's in stainless steel. So it has a totally different taste profile. Um, or someone says they want a sweet wine, but really they want a fruit forward wine. Same thing's true with patient. Um, uh, it, just talking to a patient and treatment planning, they're still saying Novocaine. Um, they're still saying, uh, you know, things that if you say carry, they're like, where are you carrying me to? They don't, they don't know what that is. And so how do you, how do you communicate effectively with a patient to, I, I like to use the term, um, not overcoming objections, which they teach you in sales, but understanding their objection. And I, I teach the same thing to um, sales teams, but also to the wine, you know, the, those selling wine at my wine bars. I said, how do you understand if they say, I don't want a Chardonnay, is it that they don't want a Chardonnay or do they, they don't want a buttery oaky Chardonnay. So understanding getting to the root of their objection. And I, I teach that same thing with uh, messaging treatment planning. That's really important advice. You also talk about some, uh, you'd be better equipped with some tools to provide an extra, you know, extraordinary patient care and service. So what are some of the tools that you, that you when you say that, what are you talking about? Yeah, I like to, um, I like to help people understand in any job, right? And again, this this transcends beyond dentistry, but so often, regardless of whether you're you're working at the local tire shop, whether you're in retail, whether you're selling wine or you're in dentistry, you get in the habit of doing the same thing every day and you create these habit loops. And uh, there's a great book called The Power of Habits, which can actually benefit your business, but it can also be detrimental um, and Charles Duhigg, the author of that, explains all, all of both sides. But really what happens is when you continually do the same thing every day and answer the phone, Dr. Smile's office, thanks for calling, you lose this personal connection to your patient. So in, in this course and in uh, my other course, Creating Experiences Worth Sharing, we go through and we look at some of the brands that you know well uh, that are extraordinary. Uh, they look for the ordinary opportunities to create extraordinary experiences. So you've got Disney, you've got... Um, Delta Airlines is one I use a lot. Uh, you've got high-end hotels. And what do they do to just take it uh, to the next level? I, I just finished reading a book called Unreasonable Hospitality, which is by um, the general manager at uh, uh, 11th Madison Park, uh, which is in New York City. It's a, a really well-known, reputable restaurant. And the things that they did, just the little things that sometimes cost them money, but most of the time didn't. Um, one of the stories, and I won't spoil the book, I do encourage uh, the listeners to read it if they haven't. But one of the stories is uh, there was these people that came in with their suitcases and they were ready to go. And this is a, you know, four-star uh, Michelin-starred restaurant. And so they put their their uh, suitcases in the bag check area 
and their captain or their server is is hearing them talk about how they had every dining experience except the New York hot dog. And so the GM runs across the street, grabs a New York hot dog, brings it into the kitchen, and he uh, you know, does nice schmears and makes it beautiful and puts it on uh, four separate plates and brings it to the person. That cost him 2 or $3. It's New York, so it probably cost him $20. But it's still a hot dog, right? Just a hot dog and made the most incredible experience uh, possible. So those are the things that we can do in our dental practice every day. And I talk about the five senses too. Um, what are, is your patient seeing, hearing, smelling, uh, touching, tasting, and things that we don't even think about. And so we do a fun activity in that course where we walk through the dental office and through a patient's eyes. You know, I, I've eaten at 11 Madison Park and I can see that happening. It's an, an incredible experience. It's not, a, it's not a meal, it's an experience, right? So mm -hmm. that's what they do. They create the entire experience. So yep. really good stuff uh, at a really high price. Yes. Uh, but uh, so, you know, you also, you were talking about your other book, right? Creating, a, creating an experience worth sharing. And um, in that book, you talk also a little bit about marketing. And I know you're a big uh, marketing guy. That's what your background is. That's what your mm -hmm. education is. And I know you work with some small companies and even some big companies like Warner Brothers and uh, Bing, I think, and stuff like that. Yeah. So you've got some really great exposure. So talk to us a little bit about marketing. I mean, where are we with marketing in this day and age? Yeah, in... In dentistry, um, it's getting more and more competitive, right? Every industry is getting more and more competitive. But as we see consolidation happening, one of the big things that uh, money is going to is obviously scaling in systems, but it's going to marketing. And how do you get in front of somebody? And so uh, at the end of the day, marketing, and it actually all ties into what I do, but marketing and branding is all about creating that experience worth sharing. It, yes, it's your logo and your website and your Google reviews and your SEO and all the stuff that you're, you've been told for years. And that's all well and good. But just like you said, at EMP, the difference, you're paying not for a meal, you're paying for that experience. You can get that food in a lot of other places, but um, it's the experience that really sets it apart. And so I, I encourage practices to tell the story of why someone wants to come to them. What's the story of their team members? What's the story um, that they're telling for each patient that walks through that door. And instead of, um, you know, just paying more on Google ads and having pictures of teeth and before and after pictures, no one wants to see that. People want to know how they're going to be treated as a human being and what that means um, for them. And I know I'm going to step on some toes here, um, but there's, you know, a lot of logos have teeth in them. Is there anything inherently wrong with having a tooth in a logo? No. Um, but you think, uh, you know, when you think of a cardio uh, doctor, they don't have uh, actual picture of the ana anatomically correct heart they if if they're even going to use a heart in the logo it's going to be a, a modernized heart and i think the same thing is true patients don't want to see necessarily the teeth they want to know what are you doing for their life and i think it's much overlooked in the story of dentistry that dentistry has one of the biggest impacts in a person's overall health um and i think telling that story through your marketing and through your messaging and saying hey you know, you might have this toothache today, but what you don't know is that's a, a jaw issue that could lead to a headache issue that could lead to, you know, all telling the whole uh, story of oral systemic health of TMJ, all these other things that um, really are, are more than just a, a cleaning that you have to get two times a year because your insurance told you to do it. Yeah, we had Fred Joyle on the program going back a little bit. And of course, Fred's, Fred's always says in one of his books is, you know, everything is marketing. Yeah. Um, but so in this day and age, I mean, you know, what advice are you what advice are you given? I guess it's, you know, it's obviously a complicated subject, uh, but you're talking about telling a story and what's the best way to present that short little snippets, Instagram, you know, uh, LinkedIn. I mean, w w w give us, give us that in a nutshell. 
Yeah, I think all the, um, what I kind of say curb appeal is still important. So having your social media up to date, having um, your website up to date, and, and this is going to make some marketers uh, not huge fans, but there's not a one size fits all in dentistry. It depends on where you are, the patients that you serve, the type of cases that you even want to do. Not that come in the door, but that you want to do. I mean, my wife's a dentist and um, she'll do all general dentistry, but there are certain things that she prefers. And every dentist has their thing that they prefer and don't prefer. And how do you market effectively and tell that story? And then I, I say, once you get them to your website or get them to pick up the phone and call, you've got them 20% of the way there. Um, and the next 50% to get them to you know a C minus, a barely a passing grade is that experience that they have on the phone. And so I think when, if you spend 10, 20, 30 grand on the most beautiful website, incredible practice videos, uh, even, you know, uh, treatment care videos after the patient comes in, what is that experience they get when they talk to the person? Um, you know, millennials are actually extremely relational, even though everyone accuses them of hiding only behind their phone, they still want that extraordinary experience. And so uh, I think a much overlooked part of marketing is, um, you know, talking, just treating the patients well. I, I'll give a real example. I walked into an office probably, I want to say two or three months ago, um, and no one greeted me. I walked right up to the, the front desk. Not a single person greeted me. They were involved in what they were doing, which is important, but I was the only physical human being there in person, three people behind the desk. Not a single person turned and looked at me. And I, I would love to say that was the exception, but I don't think that is. In a lot of cases, um, again, it becomes, we talked about it a minute ago, it becomes a habit. You just do what you've always done because it's what you always do. And you forget that you're dealing with a human being that has a story and um, you have to make that connection. Yeah, and I know you. I know. Uh, I know you're really busy. You've got a lot of things going on, and I'm not. I'm not necessarily certain. Uh, I don't know if you do any consulting along these lines. Uh, we can talk about that in a minute. But I know one of the groups that you're involved with, uh, something that's near and dear to your heart, has a whole plethora of folks that are involved in this, and that's the uh, Speaking Consulting Network. Yes. Uh, so tell me a little bit about that project. I know that's one of the things you've got going on now. Yeah. So in, in uh, 2020, uh, we all remember that year for different reasons. Um, but I, I had the opportunity to exit one of the startups that I was involved in. And I like to say that, that it was my last startup that I will found uh, or be an executive at. You can you know, ask me in a couple of years if I stayed true to that. Um, but I, I do think that was probably it. And so early 2021, my wife and I were trying to think, what's next? And as I look back at all the things that I've had the opportunity to do, places I've had the opportunity to go, speaking and consulting has always been uh, you know, a part of my heart. I was a student member with the National Speakers Association in college um, and have joined and held leadership roles at the local NSA level. Um, I was a sponsoring partner for a company I was with at Speaking Consulting Network and ended up joining as a member at Speaking Consulting Network. Uh, and so I just loved that. And I knew that speaking consulting was something I wanted to invest more time in, not necessarily in dentistry. Um, but then I got a call, said, hey, would you be the closing keynote for our 25th anniversary at the Speaking Consulting Network? I said, sure, I love you guys. Like, honestly, it was a big community for me for a long, long period of time. So I came to the closing keynote for their anniversary. And a couple months later, heard this rumor that there might be an opportunity to, to come in and... Uh, you know, acquire, acquire either all of it or the majority of it. And so I flew out and talked to Lois Banta, uh, who owned it at the time and her husband. And it's the week of Thanksgiving. And we sat around their, their table and kind of talked about what the future could be. 
And uh, within a couple of weeks, we had uh, some papers drafted. And a couple of weeks later, we had it all uh, buttoned up. And in January of 2022, um, I, I kind of took the majority share of Speaking Consulting Network. And it's been a, a fun ride ever since. Yeah. So, I mean, I had the pleasure of uh, coming out to the last meeting in Nashville. So it's obviously a, an organization of speakers and consultants. And I know you have a forum for that, right? Where folks could actually go on. We'll talk about that in a minute, but I did have the opportunity to come down to Nashville. And I know I said this to you privately, I'll say it publicly as well. I mean, that was just a masterpiece, right? I mean, hmm. I've been at meetings all over the country and it was really a great meeting, very well run. I uh, had just the right amount of everything, right amount of speaking and, uh, you know, panel discussions and, and a really great mix. So, I mean, hats off to you for that, for creating that great group of people. Well, thank you, George. I appreciate it. And I, I have to give uh, credit to Lois Banta and Linda Miles. You know, the organization, uh, it's not older than me, but it's, uh, we're, we're within the same decade, I think, uh, as far as our, our birth years, but it's been around for almost 30 years and um, it's, it's truly touched many lives and it, it is, uh, the future is really bright for it and where we're going. And I really hope it continues to make a positive impact in this industry. Yeah. So, I mean, at the AGD, of course, we're always looking for speakers and, and various things like that. So your group or the speaking consulting network group, uh, is really a group of just that. And so, you know, uh, tell me a little bit about, there's, you have a website on there with where folks can go and look and see who's members and things of that nature. Absolutely. So you can go to speakingconsultingnetwork.com and we, um, you know, we, we're a fun group. We've got uh, about 80% of our members have public profiles on there. Some don't have them up because they're either not taking new business or uh, for other reasons, but uh, we have a great profiles up there. You can go search by category that you're looking for, search by picture. If you saw someone, you forgot their name, which uh, is totally all right. There's a lot of names to remember, uh, but it's, it's a great community of uh, people and what sets us apart is, um, you know, the the members that come are, are invested financially and with their time. Um, they want to be there and it, it takes a commitment for many of our members to be there. And we spend a lot of time um, coaching. We have 10, 10 masterminds per year that are all about developing their businesses as speakers or consultants, um, as well as three other in-person events throughout the year. So we, uh, you know, it's not just someone that comes to an event and calls themselves a speaker. Our members are, are actively involved and we're continually trying to Make sure that they're the best that they can be. So when they go out into the practices, when they go onto the stages, that they're they're bringing the latest and greatest messages with um, integrity and excellence. As you mentioned, uh, there's a lot of workshops throughout the year, and, it, and really, it's a group of people that really work hard on their craft. I mean, I had the good fortune to meet a lot of those folks and and talk with them, and uh, it's a it's kind of a special group. And um, also on your website, there on that website too, their, their courses are listed, I believe, because we have a mm -hmm. lot of folks on here that listen that are looking for speakers for courses locally at the, you know, with the AGD and things like that, uh, meeting planners and things like that. So, you know, there's uh, some uh, things of uh, what the folks give courses and stuff like that, that they have some, uh, I think there's some video snippets. Absolutely. Uh, so they can kind of get a flavor and see what the folks are, are talking about there. Um, so it's really good stuff. So uh, where's the next meeting? So our next uh, annual summit, which is our annual summits are uh, our one event a year that's open to anyone in the industry. Uh, so our next one is June 4th through 6th in Austin, Texas uh, of 2024. And uh, it's going to be a good time. One of our, our main speakers, we've got some cool speakers this year. Um, we do every year, but uh, I'm excited this year because uh, one of our main speakers is Gary Nosner, 
who uh, negotiated the the Waco hostage crisis as well as the Ruby Ridge crisis and several other uh, other national and international crises crises. Um, yeah, he's a hostage negotiator. Uh, inspired the TV show Waco and the the sequel to that, as well as New York Times bestseller. So he's going to come and share uh, his insights in negotiating um, in our business and what that looks like. Just about seventy miles away from where that all went down thirty some years ago. Wow, that's going to be fantastic. I'm excited. To, yeah. I'm excited to go to that and see that. Uh, and you always do some cool stuff like that. In Nashville, we had uh, what was it called? The Writers Round. I mean, I was, that, writers was round. Yeah. that was incredible. I had never gone to anything like that before. And I think uh, we had three writers up there, and uh, they they wrote some of the you know the famous hit songs and yeah, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Our our whole set in Nashville was designed after um, a famous uh, bar in Nashville where writers that you've never heard of, but you've heard their music come and they'll just play for an hour or so. And so that's how we kicked off our Saturday morning uh, main stage session. And and so we'll do fun things like that again in uh, in Austin as well. Yeah, and the last thing I wanna talk about about the Nashville meeting though, and it was really inspirational. Final day there, you had the you had the lady, the woman that uh, you had met, she was the, playing the piano, I can't recall yeah, her name. Frankie Staden. Yeah, she was so inspirational. What a great story that was. She's amazing. You know, um, my wife and I were sitting, um, I was taking a wine. See, you're, you're bringing it full circle. You didn't even know this. Um, I was taking a wine course out in Nashville years ago, and we were sitting eating uh, lunch, and I heard what sounded like Whitney Houston. And I was like, and this was after Whitney Houston had passed away. And I said, that's live music. That's not a recording. And so I got my bill as fast as I could. And I'm like, where is this live music coming from? And in Nashville, it could be anywhere. And there's this lady, Frankie, just playing uh, her music out there and got to know her a little bit, found out she has family in North Carolina. And I said, hey, if you ever want to play one of my bars, let me know. I got a Facebook message real shortly thereafter. And she's like, I'm coming. Uh, I would love to play. And we've since built a really good friendship. And her stories are just incredible. Someone who's persevered quite a bit, met some incredible people and just has an incredible story we're sharing. She really did have, and you know, I mean, we've all been to a lot of meetings and usually the last day people are packing and they're leaving and you know, whatever event is going on, it's half full. That place was, I mean, she packed the room and no one left. Such yeah. great stories. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Thank you. Thank good, you. Really good stuff. Uh, so, so you mentioned earlier, so speaking consulting network, you don't necessarily have to be a member to go to the meeting, right? So if you Correct. wanted to go and scout some of the folks, you can actually just sign up and you can find that on the website. Um, tell us a little bit more about how we can contact you or how our, our listeners could contact you if they want, or how they could buy some of your books if they want to read them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm probably too easy to find online. Uh, that's the millennial on me. Uh, but you can find me at ryanvet.com and uh, find everything about my speaking. I don't do a whole lot of consulting uh, or coaching in dentistry, uh, at least for practices. Um, but I, I do some other business coaching and consulting. And then uh, you can buy any of my books on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever books are sold. Again, you can search my name. Um, but yeah, quick Google search will find more than enough uh, ways to get in touch with me. Fantastic. Ryan, great spending some time with you here chatting on the AGD podcast. Uh, as always, great to talk to you. Thank you, George. Likewise. So thanks to producer Kristen Gover. Uh, if you like what you've heard, please like and subscribe to our channel. You can always find us on the AGD app, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. And if you have any questions, concerns, comments, or suggestions, please contact us at news at AGD.org. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.